Welcome, everybody, to the Building Ehrensburg podcast. I'm Thomas Ehrensburg. And I'm Catherine Ehrensburg. Today, we're going to talk about the military-industrial complex. Psych, you mine. <laughs> Just kidding, everybody. I've gotten people asking me if we're ever going to talk about politics. or and I'm like, mm. Did they want us to? I just the answer I have for that is I I have opinions like everyone else, but I also am aware enough to know that I don't know and like I don't have deep enough knowledge mm-hmm. about any of it to really have an opinion that matters about any of it. Yeah, I think understanding history is very important sure. when it comes to politics, and I am not a history person. Yeah, I'm not a geography person. And I so, like history. I don't know a lot about it, but I like it. So I feel like anybody else, I'm picking and choosing my thoughts based on what I've heard recently and what I've read recently and what's right. immediately what's surrounding. What's on your social media? Well, and what's immediately surrounding um, like recent history. I know recent history because I've been alive for it. Right. But there's a lot of like things that happen that or you know dozens and dozens and dozens I mean, you of say years. that there's there's probably lots of things that happened you know i listened to a podcast that they kind of they talk about a lot of military conflicts in the historical in a historical context you love that jocko podcast and um they're they're talking a lot about the ukraine russia thing and they're giving all of the history all this stuff happened in like Late 80s, early 90s. Yeah, but we were I was babies. alive for all of it. Right. So people like my dad were alive for it. My dad's 74, I think. 74-ish. Yeah. And so he's been alive a long time. Now he's also always been politically affiliated with one side. And so he has this... Yeah, I he mean, pays attention to it. You're always going to have kind of your leanings as, you know, according to what your beliefs are and all that. But maybe come back to me in 50 years when I am 80... No, I'll be wait. Fifty Podcast years, I'll be will ninety. Not be cool then. <laughs> no, there'll be something else. But come back to me then, because then I feel like I'll have some good context on what we were doing then. Yeah, yeah. In the future, I'll be like, oh yeah, because sure. back in two thousand twenty-one, Ukraine and blah, blah, you know Poland and oh God, I always call it Poland. It's Russia. Good grief! I always yeah. call Russia Poland every single time. Really? Every time. I don't know why. You kept correcting me. We were having an entire conversation about it one time, and I kept saying Poland, and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's Russia. And I was like, oh, yes. Vladimir Putin and whatnot. Like, Putin, I know. Putin, Poland. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. I don't know either. But what we're going to talk about today is adjacent. Believe it or not, I can make a segue to almost anything. <laughs> and we're going to make a segue. Store for the news. Yeah, we're going to make a segue. From that to the fact that um, I'm about to go down to the beach with some girlfriends, and I'm about to say the most privileged thing I've ever said in my life, but here we go. Um, we just got back from a week at Callaway, and um, we planned this girl t- girls' trip with just four of my girlfriends down to the Orange Beach um, for the day that we came back yeah. from Callaway. Which Perfect planning. Terrible planning. It sounds so great. Like, when I get back from having a whole week with the kids, I would love to just go get away with my friends and go down to the beach. (laughs) With no kids, right? But It sounds ideal. The truth of the matter is, I'm exhausted, and I just want to be. I just want to sit. Yeah. I'm going to have to, like, start working the day that we come back from the girls' trip. We're coming back on a Monday. So Mm -hmm. we're going today. Today's Saturday. Um we're checking in today. We're going to spend all of Sunday and then come check out on Monday morning. But as soon as I come back, I've got a meeting in the afternoon. So, like, I didn't have that buffer of yeah. day or two to kind of wind down. From Get yourself reoriented into the work week. Yeah, I mean, we're, our suitcases are exploding. I mean, we came home. Thank. G- okay, I'm about to say another privileged thing. I just need y'all to know that I know they're privileged. I think that's my goal here. Um, I don't think people care. Our house, we had a ha- we have a housekeeper who comes every two weeks to mm-hmm. come and clean the house to help me out, and she came while we were gone. So we came home to a perfectly clean house, and we immediately, like, brought all of our suitcases in and opened them all up, and we're like trying to put things away. It just looks like an explosion. In the meantime, I'm trying to pack a bag right. to go down to the next thing. Um, like I said, I know that sounds privileged, but uh, it was a dumb idea. To, <laughs> to plan oh, two vacations. I mean, it's, it's what worked out for our schedule and what worked out for your friend's schedule. So it just yeah. kind of so it is. that way. And I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, I really am going to enjoy it. There's, I mean, like, we're only there for a day, but my friend has a boat. Her husband's going to pick us up. We're going to go to Pirate's Cove. Like, I've yeah. never even been to Pirate's Cove, and I've been in Mobile my entire life. Like We used to, when we would do our coaches retreat at the end of the summer, that's what we would do. And it was, it's just, 
It's so relaxing. You're just sitting on a boat with yeah. nothing to do. Just talk. Yeah. Have a little drink. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And you just relax for yeah. two days right. or a day and a half, whatever it's going to be. So I'm looking forward to it. It's just always like the prep to get there. And then once you get there, you can relax. Yeah. wasn't so much with, with when we went to Callaway, which was a great trip. The kids had a great time. It was very different this year than it's been in last year when we went. Just because last year there were still, um, what do you call it? Merging, merging out of COVID. What would you call it? (laughs) COVID recovery. Yeah, they were kind of getting out of it. They didn't have um, the circus there that they normally have. And so um, this year they were fully back. Um, Mm -hmm. And so last year we went with some friends or they just happened to be going at the same time we were. They were not there this year. And so um, it was different, but it was still really good. Yeah, I think you and I had a lot of time to just be, which was nice. Yeah, and the other thing too is I felt like last year... um, Everything was so new that I was like racing around to go try this and try this and try this. Whereas yeah. now, like, there were probably four or five things that I knew I wanted to do. Yeah. And I kind of spaced them out to do like one a day or maybe two a day. But there was also a couple things that we got to do, but the kids didn't get to do last year. So we brought them to those things. Right. Um, or um, we did last year and we we're like, mm, don't really want to do that next right. year. Or they have these special events that you have to sign up for early. And we had done them last year. So we made sure we signed up for them this year. Mm-hmm. They have a um, pizza making and wa- Italian wine tasting uh, like adult lunch. Right. Which is amazing. And um, we did that again. We did that both years and we really loved it. Um, but anyway, so we had a really good time. It's, it, but it's just like time to come home. In fact, we left. We should have checked out on a Saturday morning, which would have been this morning. We would still be driving right now if we had. Yeah. Aren't you so glad we decided to oh, leave? Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. So we left. They have events for this camp that go until 7 and 8 o'clock at night. And so um, last night they did a magic show at 7 p.m. And then we left after the magic show. We ha- had all yep. of our stuff packed up. Um, we left after the magic show and we got home at 11 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And... The traffic was good. Yeah. The kids slept. We listened to music the whole time. And um, our music. We didn't have to, like, <clears throat> kids asking for their dumb songs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick of this week. It's time for us to have our time. <laughs> well, it's like I, the Goonies. This is our time. Yeah. <clears throat> when they go to sleep, you like, you get to choose your own songs, you know? Yeah. You don't have them requesting there was a, there was Dua Lipa. That's true. So much to Alipa <laughs> and Elton John. Um, it is interesting, though, because so um, they were sitting in the car and they were all trying to struggle to figure out how to position themselves to sleep. Yeah. And I was shocked at how I how not natural they were at figuring out how to properly sleep in a cramped space. Very confused by that. Did you notice that? Well, they don't we don't road trip like that was definitely something y'all did like you've told me stories about your road tripping experiences and, and us too we would drive from san francisco to baton rouge like every summer for like three years so you learn very quickly how to sleep in a car well i didn't realize they were really both so the two little ones were instantly asleep because they're small and they can fit pretty much themselves. anywhere yeah. yeah almost anywhere and they've all got pillows like this is a very soft thing yeah. they got going on back there and so the two little ones fell asleep and the two big ones were very quiet. I thought they were asleep. Right. And then like two hours into the trip, <laughs> the older son was like, I can't sleep. Yeah. Like he was like angry. You know, when you yeah. get so tired, you're angry. <laughs> he was like angry. And I was like, oh my gosh, I thought you'd been asleep this whole time. I had no idea. And so I said, well, you need to switch him here and her here and like put your head over yeah, here. Put your feet down here. Yeah. I had to reposition all of them. Like, you were 12 years old. You're going to be 13 soon. And then I've got a f- someone who her birthday was yesterday. She was 14. Yeah. And you guys don't know how to sit in a car properly to where you're, you can all Well, you know, relax. it's interesting, too, with him is he's traveled with the football team. I guess it's yeah, different. Yeah, on a though. giant on a bus. bus. Yeah. We're he's on a, a bus. giant seat. I just, I was shocked at how I thought that that was a natural skill that people possess. But I'm. No, you learned it. I learned time. it. And Just look at like me. I, yeah. I had a skill set I didn't even know I possessed. Yep. And I was able to show them, like, if he switches this way, put her... Well, my first thought head. was when they were sitting there, I was like, why just put your pillow over here and just lean this way? And Yeah. I don't know what they were doing. I was driving, so I, I didn't turn around to see... He didn't even know to, like, move his butt toward the middle of the seat and lean toward the window and put the pillow yeah. up. I mean, I think he does that on a bus. How would you not know that? No, on the bus, 
typically kids kids will lay on the floor on the bus, so that's one spot. Mm-hmm. But if a kid lays on the floor, they just open up the whole bench, so you can lay on the bench. And he's small enough, like a high school kid, their shoulders and butt might fit on the bench and their feet hang off the side, which is kind of uncomfortable. But a kid his size, they can lay. Yeah, I just straight across that would or ball up on it or back there. Anyway, um, I just, I didn't know that they didn't know how to do that until yesterday. And they were already like exhausted Mm -hmm. whenever I figured it out. Two of them had already been sleeping for a while. and The other two were grouchy about not sleeping. So we got that sorted out. They slept the rest of the way. And here we are. And so I am, since we left earlier, instead of leaving this morning, I don't feel nearly as rushed. Because if we had gotten home at lunchtime today... Mm And then I had to You'd be right out the door. unpack and repack and do a little bit of grocery shopping before we go down to the beach. That right. would have been real bad. Yeah. Um, I had mentally prepared for it. But then we thought, let's leave tonight. And we kind of checked in with the kids. They didn't want to do it at first. And then they kind of all were like, We explained eh. what was going on. Like, you can sleep in your own bed tonight. They're like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I like that great. idea. <laughs> it took them a solid two or three days to acclimate to not yeah. sleeping in their own bed. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was kind of a challenge, too. But anyway, so... <laughs> all that being said, we are going to go. I am going to go down to the beach with my friends, and I can almost guarantee you that there will be a red flag flying and there will be some people. I'm not going to call them idiots because I, I don't think that's fair to call them idiots. Um, I think locals think that way. Right. But there will be people in the Gulf with red flags trying uh, to swim in the Gulf. Trying to swim like in the chest Gulf. deep water. Yes. We get a lot of tourists and vacationers from like the mi- the Midwest area, Michigan, Indiana. I don't I don't know if it's like a straight shot. Again, geography is not my strong suit. Is it like a straight shot down here? Like, why do they come here and not a co- like the South Carolina coast or Georgia like coast? the Atlantic coast? Yeah, they all come to the Gulf. Yeah, they must know. I don't know if it's more affordable. It. Anyway, we get a lot of Midwesterners here. Yeah, and um. There have been at least one drowning per week for the last three weeks or so. And I cannot fathom why people are so feel so safe in water that they have not lived around their whole lives. Right. I cannot fathom going to Lake Erie or Lake Pontchartrain, which is in Louisiana, or anywhere, and getting out into the water or you know, hiking in the woods or whatever, like... Going up to Montana and doing a nature walk in Montana. Yeah. Like, it's not... You have to do some research or understand... I remember your dad would always say, like, you you fear the ocean, basically. You don't turn... You guys are from Hawaii. And so that's a much different body of water, of course, than what we're dealing with in the Gulf. But you don't turn your back to the ocean because basically there could be a wave at any point that will come and just knock you out yeah and drown you knock you out and then sweep you out right yeah right and so you learn that as a kid living there yeah and there's plenty of things just like this backseat thing that's like it's in your head because you did it so much or you saw somebody do it i mean the last time we went to hawaii i don't know if you remember this or not um there was a i want to say there was like a earthquake somewhere off of japan i don't know if you remember this or not when we were in hawaii last time i don't remember that it wasn't a big one but there was like people were like oh i wonder if there's gonna be a tsunami and uh i think initially they thought there might be but then never mind but i remember the sirens went off when we were there and i remember hearing the siren like oh that's a tsunami siren i remember that from when i lived in hawaii as a Mm -hmm. little kid Uh, anyway it really just equated to some rough seas and I remember sitting out on our deck. We were staying at a resort <laughs> in Hawaii. Um, and we're just watching people down there uh, on the beach. On the water. And these waves were huge waves. And I saw one kid just get absolutely demolished by a wave. And I'm thinking, why are you, what are you doing, man? Like, pay attention to the tsunami siren that we heard not very long ago. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember any of that, but I just... We need to learn to respect nature in a lot of different ways, like a ton of different ways. But one of them being that when you're going to a place that is not your native home that you've grown up in your whole life and understand backwards and forwards, 
nature doesn't care. That right. the, the the red flags at the Gulf are there to protect you. They can't possibly because <clears throat> they can't possibly, um, you know, lifeguard the entire coastline. So well, I think during during the red flags and during the double red flag, especially during the double red flags, there which double, double red double reds like don't even get in the water at all. Red is like if you get in the water, don't go more than about knee deep because it's a bad well, situation. The last two deaths have been double red flags. Yeah, They're, but I the, think the, the beaches the, have been closed and people choose right. to get in them anyway. And these are not surfers; these are not people who are like. I, I need the waves. Thank yeah. goodness the waves are here. So right. I can because people them. do that during hurricanes too. Right. You'll have surfers that go out there. And I'm not saying that's a good idea because it's absolutely not. It's extremely no, dangerous. No, but they're local and they understand. They understand the that kind of rough and, water. And yeah. We have we have here, I don't know if it's, um, are riptides a uh, unique to the Gulf thing or does no, it exist I think in any ocean? Any, any ocean, yeah. Okay, so a riptide is basically a section of the water that is sucking it suck when the waves are coming in there are sometimes parts of the water that are actually sucking back out and it's not like the regular receding of a wave coming in going out as you would think it mm-hmm. is a wide section of the water that is pulling back out it's racing it's racing water yes and a lot of times it's it's under. It's you yeah. can't see it from the top. Now you can see these things from very high up. If you're in a condo looking down over the water, you can see a riptide. But when right. you're in the water, you can't see. I it. would imagine the lifeguards and their lifeguard stand too can see them, so they know probably where they are. Yeah, probably so. But they can come and go anytime. Sure. It's not like something where it's like, oh, there's a riptide. It's going to be there from one to two. You right. know, it. They come up and they go away. Like, yeah. I I don't know the science behind what starts a riptide. It's, so it's my understanding that. Running parallel to the beach, you have uh, sandbars, mm-hmm. and as the waves crash and the water is receding and crashing and receding, um, there are parts of the sandbar that tear, I guess, or create gaps, mm-hmm. and so water's going to go where there's the least amount of resistance, and so it, it, all the water rushes through that gap. Gotcha. And because all the water's rushing there, it's rushing there very quickly. It's mm-hmm. not receding at the normal pace that the water recedes. And most of you that are listening to this podcast right now are from our area. And so we're just explaining to you something you probably already know. But the idea is that people come from all over the place and they don't know riptides exist. They don't know what they look like. Um, they think the flags are out there for funsies. I don't really know what what. I think happening. they probably think the flags are like, oh, that's just telling me the wave height. Or it's, you know, I, I don't know what they think the flags mean. Or they, they may not even see the flags. There's a lot of times where I look down beaches back and forth and I don't even see the flags. That's true. Where they I mean, are. They're, they're at, if, you, if you're at a public beach or if you're at a condo, as you're walking down the pier or whatever that takes you out to the beach, there's always a flagpole there. On there, like each individual condo yes. takes it upon themselves to put out the flag yeah. for the day. Anyway... There have just been a lot of deaths recently, and it's very obvious that people either don't know or ignoring um, nature. And mm-hmm. th- we're like, as the human, they're trying to protect. I mean, people are out there drowning, and people are trying to help them, but they're not going to drown themselves to and risk their own lives to, you know, to get you out. And sometimes they do, I guess. But it's a very scary thing um, that people don't pay attention to these things. Like, right. But you're in a place that you don't know. I, that's the part that boggles the mind the most. And I think um, it happens a ton, too, with hiking. Um, you might think, I'm going along a trail. This trail's well-worn. Um, it's been here for 100 years, like yeah. thousands it's, it, upon maybe thousands. Maybe it's even on a map. Like, sure. This is the hiking trail. This is the one we're going on. Let me tell y'all, have you ever thought about... People bring water. They're like, I might get dehydrated. If you fall off the side of the trail... You could break your ankle. No one would ever see you. Right. We were shooting arrows yesterday or the day before at Callaway. And when we shot arrows, a lot of times they were not hitting the target. They were going into the ground around. Mm-hmm. And then we had to go and pick them up. They disappeared. Like yeah. It was so And hard. the grass was not even that high. The grass was not that high. And each arrow had a very brightly colored feather on it. Right. Like it was a bright color. So... And I knew exactly where it went. Yeah. You know? Like, and you still couldn't find and it. And I still couldn't find it. So imagine if you're walking along a trail and you fall and get knocked out by a rock or whatever. Anyway, add that to the fact that there are animals, mm-hmm. right? There are owls and all. I mean, there's just all kinds of danger to be had 
when it comes to nature. And I'm not saying you should be afraid of it, but you have to be able to fear it enough to like have respect for it. Yeah, a healthy respect for it. Healthy respect and understand what you're getting yourself into before you take this stuff on. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people think, can I make it up the mountain? Am I going to have a heart attack? Or am, like, that's sure. not what I'm talking about. Well, it's the same thing with the beach. I think a lot of people think, well, I can swim. Right. So, I mean, what's the worst? I fall down in the water. But you don't know enough to even... So, we. I think we've talked about it before, but you have to know enough to know what could happen. You know? Well, and how to get yourself... <clears throat> how to survive the the thing that happens if it so but happens. If, but if you don't even know a riptide exists, if you don't even sure. know that's a thing in the water because you think it's just water, it's not the ocean. I wonder if it being the Gulf puts some sort of um, lull and some sort of... Uh, yeah, you know, especially if these are Midwesterners, like you're saying, they're probably used to lakes. I don't know. If, I know that some lakes do actually have currents in them. Yeah, Lake Pontchartrain does. But if you're just... If you're at a lake that has a beach, like the one that we were at this weekend, they have a lake. It's not a very big lake, but it's a lake, and it has a beach, a man-made beach on it. Mm-hmm. There's no current there. There is, If you know how to swim, you're not going to get yourself in danger, more than likely. But, so, you know, if you're from the Midwest and you're used to lakes that don't have currents, then you're just thinking, well, I can swim, and, you know, worst case scenario, I get myself in too deep, I can just swim back in. And you don't understand that rip currents are pulling you out. And so if you're trying to swim back in... That's what kills everyone. You're going to tire yourself out. That's, that is where it comes in. If you're not from here and you don't know, understand about riptides, the th- let me just let this be a PSA to you. If you ever get caught in a riptide, you do not fight it. You let it carry you out, which is the freaking scariest thing. Yeah. Because c- who knows how far it's going to pull you out. 200 yards? Out where the sharks are? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But... You let the riptide pull you out because eventually it will open up to calm water, right. basically. you got all those waves coming in. You've got that one that's sucking you out, the riptide that's sucking you out. And once it sucks you out far enough, it lets you go. Right. It releases you. I think when people hear undertow, they think it's going to suck you down. Right. I don't think that's what it does. No, the current is under the water. Right. Is and what that means. And it's pushing you out. Right. So once you get out, then you can swim parallel with the, with the uh, what do you call it? To the it? beach. Uh, so the parallel coast, to the coast, and then you can let yourself come back in with a wave, right? Because if you ever look, if you don't know what a riptide looks like, Google a picture of it. It's really interesting. They have these little schematic pictures of what they look like, but it'll show the waves coming in, and there'll be these little sections of it sucking out. And so you can see how that would work if it was to suck you out, and you get yep. past it. You can see that if you just move over like thirty yards, you could get back in mm-hmm. by just riding the wave back in. And most, but. People who don't even people who were swimming around in red flag and double red flag don't even know there is an undertow, let alone how to take care of themselves if there was. Right. And I can tell you, if I was ever in undertow, the idea of letting it suck me out into the water, it like further out into the Gulf, would probably give me a heart attack and kill me well, before I think, anything um, else. Even when it's sucking you out, you can start swimming parallel to the shoreline. Just, really? Yeah. You're just not supposed to swim back <clears throat> in. Right. I mean, think about like if you, tire were, you out. You if can't you were do like it. on a river that was flowing very quickly and you jumped into the deepest part of the river, it's flowing very quickly. It's going to start pulling you downstream. Mm-hmm. But you can swim, par- you know, like swim towards the shore yes. of the river. It's still sucking you out, mm-hmm. but eventually you'll get out of the pole and you, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. So if you are getting sucked out, you can start swimming parallel, but don't swim back in until you feel it stop pulling you. And then you can swim back in. I'm try- I mean, I'm trying to imagine if I would be thoughtful enough to do research on what all the possibilities of, you know, a rip being a river or any other, like a mountain or any other nature type situation. Well, I'll give you another one. You know, last <laughs> night we were driving home <clears throat> and it was dark. And just from a previous experience, I knew that there's a possibility that a deer could run out on this road and we're going 80 miles an hour. I loved you practicing your deer and- hitting <laughs> technique. It would hit this car, and we would. Let me tell you, we would be injured. Let me tell you, Thomas did not tell me he was going to practice for if it, if we should have a deer encounter. So all of a sudden, we're we're just driving eighty miles down the road. He turns the headlights off, and I was like, "What are you doing?" I flipped out because we were in the dark. This was not yeah. in the middle of a city. Well, I wasn't going to do it when there are cars around me. I thought that would be dangerous. Yeah, ma- I waited till they were in maximum no cars scariness. <laughs> Let's maximize the scariness and not tell the person who's sitting up with you 
your co-pilot, if you will, what's going to happen? Well, I didn't know where the lights were on your truck, so I was trying to figure out. <laughs> you could have asked like, me. It's I knew my truck. I knew where they are in the vehicle that I drive, but this is not the vehicle I normally drive. So, and I just had it was just like two seconds. Is it click click? Two seconds really seemed like a lot longer. Whenever you're anyway, what did you say? You turned off the lights. So you know, you back up about ten or fifteen years. We were coming down that same stretch of road. Me and two friends of ours. We were at a football game very late at night, and as we were coming down the road. A deer ran out right in front of the car. It looked like it stopped and looked at our car Mm -hmm. because the old deer in the headlights expression, they get stuck Mm -hmm. on the headlights and they freeze. And so fortunately, the guy that was driving was able to swerve around the deer. But we were like, holy cow, we almost just, Mm -hmm. and we would have been hurt pretty bad. Of course, y'all were driving like a Nissan Sentra or something. Yes, a very small car would have blown the car up probably. Anyway. So I Googled it when I got home, like, well, what are we supposed to do if that happens in real life? I'm just proud Google existed back then when this happened. This was like 2007. That's new Google time. You're just, did you hit I am lucky? uh, It probably wasn't Google. Let's be real. It was probably (laughs) Yahoo Yahoo answers. (laughs) Anyway, they say if you shut your headlights off, it like disengages their stare and then they hear the car coming and they... But then you'll just crash because you didn't have headlights on. You well, know no, you see where it is. I mean, you you got to make some real quick maneuvers. Yeah, there. I just after you did that little exercise, I was like, what are the odds that you're gonna see a deer coming out of the woods and you're gonna think to you told me turn your headlights off and blow your horn and yeah, hit the, the horn brakes? Probably wouldn't. The braking and the and the swerving <clears throat> and the lights would have probably swerving been at all eight, time. eighty miles an hour sounds like a great idea. Well, you know, you take your chances, I guess. <laughs> With with four children in the back seat. Anyway, it's but it it's similar to the if you caught if you found yourself caught in a riptide, and you knew nothing about them. I mean, I don't I don't even know what you do. You drown. You drown. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. You panic. You probably start fighting it. You try to swim back in, and you're just not going anywhere. And after two minutes, you've exhausted yourself. I just don't. I don't think that you should be so fearful of every bit of nature that you don't do it. But I think that there has to be some basic understanding of what could go wrong. Sure. If you're going to go out and swim in the in the Gulf, or again though, they may not see any fear in that. Yeah. I'll say this: I had no fear of driving it down the interstate at night until we almost hit a deer. Yeah. You know, and now I'm like extra vigilant at night of checking the sides of the roads. Yeah, because there's like when you're driving during the day, there's a lot of cars, and you got to pay attention to the cars because the cars are more likely to kill you at that point. Mm-hmm. But at night, there's hardly any cars on the road, but there's lots of other things that are not on the road that might. Which, run by the way, was glorious as far as our drive was concerned. I mean, yeah. that because our trip up there, the traffic was very heavy, very very heavy on the way up there. Right, <clears throat> and honestly, very scary because people. People drive so close to each other because Again, I think that's another that's another one of these things. I don't think they realize the. I know. I think I understand the psychology of what's happening. I don't really know why. Like the ultimate end goal here, but I do know that when you drive and you've got these packs of people, what's happening is a people in the left lane are going too slow and they're not passing. They're not using it as a passing lane, right? Which is dangerous, very dangerous. It drives me nuts, but. People are also using the right lane as a passing lane, which you're not supposed to do, but they're getting irritated because the people in the left lane are going too slow. But you get these packs of people because you're driving along in the left lane trying to pass someone and you have a healthy gap because Mm -hmm. you don't want to die if the person in front of you breaks too hard and someone comes around you on the right side and slips in. And now you've got this tiny, you're, you're super close. Like yeah. people just keep. Your two second gap has now become a one second gap. If that, if that. Right. I mean, people are driving so close together on the interstate now. And, but people keep coming around your right side and slipping in that gap. So what you do is you tighten up your gap because you don't want anybody else to get in sure. there. And you're creating a more dangerous situation. I don't know what the solution is, but it's extremely frus- frustrating. I thought about that last night as I was driving. I think that the, um, I think they need to put more signs on the road that say, Keep left right. lane, yeah, left lane for passing only. You'll see this on bridges a lot. Left lane for passing only. The right lane is there's supposed, there's or, a minimum speed limit in a lot of yeah towns on you know, like if you're on the interstate you have to go at least 
whatever. Do you think people are reading the sign? I don't know. That's a whole other. I mean, I don't even know if that's worth talking about. I don't know what people are doing in their own cars. I've seen people reading books. I've seen people scrolling through Facebook yeah. at 80 miles an hour. Last night when we were, we switched drivers uh, about an hour out from home. By and, the way, uh, when we switched, um, the person who was attending that rest stop thought we were going to bomb the place. Really? Yes. Because, okay. It's 10 o'clock we stopped, at night. <laughs> yeah. We were at a rest stop, like not a gas station, not a, right. you know, like a state run interstate rest stop. Rest yeah. stop. And there was someone attending it, which I thought was shocking at that time of night. Well, I thought, I mean, you probably would have someone cleaning it, right? But actual tendon. I don't yeah. know. There was someone standing outside the door, and there was someone inside. There was someone was, clean. The guy inside was cleaning. Yeah, but anyway, there's a bunch of eighteen wheelers, you know, parked out there. They're all sleeping, um, and then we pull up, and we were just going to switch drivers. And then you got out and were like, you know what? Let me go to the bathroom while I'm here. So we we did not park in a spot. We like pulled up in front. Yeah. Like we were straddled across probably five parking spots. Yeah. And um, they did not love that. At all. So you got out, went to the bathroom, and I was like, well, now that I'm now here, that may as well go. <laughs> you know? So we're parked outside for probably, you know, three or four minutes, if that. But when I walked out, the lady was like, she, she had like a Russian accent. She was like, next time we're going to call the sheriff if you do that again. I was like, do like, Okay, the next time I stop by here at 10 o'clock at yeah, night. Yeah, I was like, I just said, yes, ma'am. Bye. And left. But it was a very... To them, I mean, can you imagine the stuff they see at that place? Oh my gosh! If I they can't. if they are awake and like working at 10 p.m. Yeah. at a rest stop in the like mid state of Alabama, can you imagine the weirdness that yeah. they probably see? A I lot. mean, that's the first thing. I, first thing I thought of was like, okay, lady, like whatever. And then I thought, oh, she probably sees some stuff. Yeah, like she's probably like on high alert at all times for sure. Because Lord, she's probably looking for traffickers and all kinds of things from where she is. She's oh, I can't even imagine. I wonder. She's I saying. wonder if when you got out and the dome lights came on in the car, they saw the kids sleeping in there. They're like, ah, oh, traffickers. No, <laughs> I don't think that's what With they all thought. These, they got bikes and everything in the back of their. Although you look an ethnic, yeah, white girl with an ethnic man, tip and off some of, sort of bunch of kids in the back. Yeah, we're gonna tip off some with luggage and everything else. <laughs> bikes, bikes. <laughs> They're sure up to no suspicious. good. Anyway, sorry, I interrupted your story. Go ahead. I don't know where I was going. Sorry. Oh, oh yeah, no. So we're we switched drivers. And so I was just observing what was going on, or you know, because when you're driving, you're not observing. You're, at least I am. I'm like very locked into what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a guy watching. He was watching a movie <gasps> on his phone at on his night? steering wheel like this. I, I know y'all can't see me because this is a podcast, but hands not on the hands like rested on the wheel. If y'all could see my eyeballs right now, I can't make them any bigger. Hands rested on the wheel, holding his cell phone sideways over the area like where your horn is. Okay, this is my entire issue with old people, like, using cell phones. Okay, there's a whole, like, I have a whole thing. I could do a whole, like, like whatever you call it, like a um, master, what do you call it? A dissertation on this. Probably not. Um, it's already bad enough that people are using cell phones in cars. Yes. But what makes it worse is people using them at night when... Just like the deer in headlights, when you look at a oh, bright yeah. screen, screen and then yes. look up into a dark road, yeah. your eyes do not adjust fast yeah. enough. I don't care what age you are. Yeah. It makes it 10 times worse if you're older. Well, and you're going 70 or 80 miles You're going 80 hour. miles an hour. I like, mean. what on earth are you yeah. thinking? That is just Darwinism. And to me, that is Darwin Award. Well, the problem is that worthy. person wouldn't just kill himself. He would have killed Right. If you don't know what the Darwin Award is is it is the award given for people who basically kill themselves in really dumb ways. Like, they should have known better. It's like, yeah. it's like survival of the fittest, and you're just eliminating the dumb ones. Right. That's dumb. That is just dumb. It's reckless to drive super fast and weave in and out of traffic and all that, but you're just Well, this guy asking. wasn't weaving. He was in the right lane. Just, I don't care. That's he probably so had the cruise control on. D- oh, even better. <laughs> even better. Okay, so then... As you age and get older, your reaction times get slower and yeah. slower. So you have... And when you're tired. This was 10 o'clock at right. night. All those Plus things. Plus you're tired. That dude is taking his life in his hands yeah. times a thousand. So then you get older people who are driving down the interstate already probably going too slow sometimes because they just 
and they're probably in the left lane, all those things. It's terrible. Um, but then they have their cell phones out and they're talking on them, but you'll have people scrolling. Again, your reaction time, even during the day, is not fast enough for you to look down at your phone and look back up and to be able to handle whatever possible emergency situation happens. I mean, that's why we're not, that's legally why you're not supposed to, right. of course, talk and, and drive and text and drive and all this different stuff. But the nighttime watching of things, yeah. like that sends me into orbit for sure. Like, I would want to run that person down and be like, what is wrong with you? Like, give them the mama, like, finger pointing in your face. Because that's yeah. the stupidest thing you could possibly do. Well, it, it worries me that he probably does that a lot. And people will probably say, well, I turned the brightness down on my... F-. No, there is nothing yeah. that can give you the reaction time between any brightness on a screen and looking up onto the 11 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night interstate. There's just not. And reacting. And reacting. That is so dangerous and so reckless and so inconsiderate of every, like, even if you want to kill yourself on the interstate, it's not just going to be you. Yeah. There's a lot of other people around you. I mean, as few people as there were on the interstate, there were still people there. Right. Driving. And Lord knows, as, as experienced as we all think that 18 wheeler drivers are, they're not. For the most part, the average 18 wheeler driver has probably been on the road two weeks. Yeah. You heard that right. Where are you getting that number from? I would need to Google a specific number. Why don't you Google that? Um, Average truck driver experience? Sure. I'd be real curious. No, it's probably not two weeks. Two weeks is probably a little bit too low. But you would be shocked at how little experience the truck drivers around you have. Well, it's it was pretty obvious to me. Um, because the Academy which does- Which drivers... I don't think they're gonna have stats on stuff like this. They have like prices and like, getting a CDL and that kind of thing takes four months. I think is what it is. Um, three to six months for most truck driving companies. They require at least three to six months of a class A CDL truck driving experience. Okay, so three to six months. Three to experience. six months. Okay, and then you get on the road. And basically, the turnover is extremely high with truck drivers. Yeah. So so that was one thing that did come up. What was their average? Uh, yeah, look up the turnover rate um, on yeah. a long-haul truck driver, which, you know, you can't really tell. I, I don't know. I don't know enough about shipping and transportation to know on the road who's a long-haul and who's not. I don't know if you can tell just by looking at the truck or what they're carrying or whatever. But um, it's it's astonishing the the... I I think most of us think that these people have been like these, what? Google search. That came up when I started typing in average truck driver. What is it like to date a truck driver? Oh, geez Louise. Okay, look up the answer. <laughs> I'll keep talking. Um, I think you, that we all assume, like from our childhood, a truck driver was like, that was their job. That was their lifelong job. Um, they like parked their semi out in their lot near their house or whatever and they went and picked up a load and they drove all the way to California or they drove all these different places that is very much not what's happening it's a it's a high turnover because the cost of shipping and freight is basically a race to the bottom and they don't maybe it's changed a little bit now because we're having such terrible supply chain issues so maybe people are getting paid more um, than they used to but it used to be a very grueling job that most people cannot handle. It's the same with um, uh, like Pepsi and Coke, Buffalo Rock delivery people. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard that? No. Those people quit all the time too. I've heard, um, <laughs> I heard this story. I don't know who told me this story. It might be an old wives tale. It might be like, not true at all. But anyway, I've heard tale that some person was hired as like a Coke delivery person yeah. and like two days in left the truck at the store and just left. Like, Why? What is goodbye? So, what's so tough about that? Um, yeah. I don't know. It's it's like um being a U, like you have to work up to being a UPS or a FedEx driver because um they pay you well. They do pay you well for that job, but the amount of pressure you have on you to like you can only take right turns. You can only like you can yeah. you you can't you get like a fifteen minute lunch break and like they have all that stuff tracked down to the, like the most minute detail to where. There is no room for you to be. This is not an office job. You aren't sitting there like playing solitaire, hiding from your boss kind of a thing. This is like they know if you're not doing your job, you know. Same thing with deliveries. You have a time scale. You can only drive a certain number of hours. You have to sleep a certain number of hours. Um, and so it's just 
it's a real <laughs> it's a real grueling job that I'm not sure a lot of people take it on knowing that that's what they're they're going to get themselves into. Well, so here's into. something that I'm reading about. Um, it's really interesting. They're talking about turnover rate. The turnover rate for a, a class A CDL driver is 91%, meaning if 100 people went into the job, 91% of them quit by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason it's so high is because right now, this is from 2019. Okay, before 20, COVID. 2019, 2020. Was, okay. Um, the reason it's so high is because truck drivers are in such high demand, they get signing bonuses. Um, so they're if, moving from one company so to another? So they'll sign on with the company for six months, get the signing bonus, leave, sign up with another company, get their signing bonus for six months, leave. And so it's it's a little deceiving, I guess, is what they're saying. Yeah, because ninety one percent doesn't mean they're leaving the industry. They're just leaving. Right, they're the just leaving their job. job. Right. So there's. I listened to. A, I think it was a. Was it this American Life? I can't remember. I think it was this American Life. I'll have to go look it up. Maybe we'll put it in the um in the notes underneath in the comments or not the comments, but the they call them show notes. Okay. There where you can, um, put in different things, but um, we'll put in the link. I think it's this American Life where they talk about. These, um, because there's two different ways to be a truck driver. You can either just drive for the company, like a Walmart, I yeah. think, or something mm-hmm. like that, or there's like an independent contractor that they hire you. And, um, of course, you have to own a truck, right? So right. then they'll sell you the truck, and you have to be like, they are the financer for right. the truck. So yeah. then you have to pay them back, and you're like, working at the same time as you're paying them back for this truck. And basically, these people could never catch up, right? They could never earn. Because there's all these limits on how many hours you can drive. These people were driving like some crazy number of miles and they were still in the hole. They're like, I did, I, I left my job and did this mobile job because I wanted more money to be able to pay for my kid to go to college. Or like they took on these jobs because of the prospect of making more money mm-hmm. and they were actually digging themselves deeper and deeper. So these are people who basically would leave that profession then go into bankruptcy because they'd have to pay off their truck. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. There's, there's a financial element to it. It's not just the stress and pressure over the schedules. It's also this financial yeah, situation. Yeah, but I think that kind of gets back to what we what we started talking about in this podcast. Like people just not doing their homework and not knowing knowing really what they're getting themselves into. Hey, there's a sucker born every minute, and there are scams everywhere. Like places that you, that look like job opportunities that a gajillion people have taken on. Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, you're right, but there's some real smooth scams out there real smooth yeah but i mean i think if you i I tell this to my students when we're doing any of our finance lessons but if you hear something and you're like man that sounds too good to be true it probably is so like like your and your ears need to kind of like perk up like whoa wait a second but people know when they're going to get a a long-haul you know driver job that's not easy it's not too good to be true really you know well the prospect of making Tens of thousands of dollars. I don't think it was and even. All I got to do is drive a truck around. No, I don't think it was even that. I think there's like these other um, draws to that profession, like you get to see the country, you get to like see these all these different cities. I don't even think it's always a draw of money necessarily, or even like big money. Do you mm. know what I mean? Some people just want to be able to be by themselves or like bring. There's a ton of like couple. Um, yes. truck drivers that yeah, have popped up because they share the road and that right. they can maximize their hours and all this different stuff and they're getting it's like you don't have to buy an RV we get to travel together and see all these places and take on whatever we want to take on and get to travel together in our retirement a lot of people do that kind of thing and it sounds really good but then the actual money of it yeah the money's not great the average salary for a trucker for 2021 was $57,000 mm-hmm. you can just go work a regular 9 to 5 and get that that's not true I think I think that's kind of the misconception is that um yeah, I think it depends on what you, you do, but sure. Um fifty seven thousand dollars is a is a good, it's a good salary. Chunk of money. Yeah, it's a good salary. Well, I guess if you're working another labor type intensive job that's getting paid fifty seven thousand dollars dollars an hour. Yeah, fifty seven thousand dollars a year is all it's probably like 27. um yeah, twenty seven ish yeah dollars an hour. So when you break it down like that, there's not a ton of jobs that are going to pay you twenty for driving. You right. know, you're not yeah. working out in the yeah, hot yeah. sun. You're sitting in an air-conditioned truck. Um, sure. And so, you know, I think a lot of people are like, I could do that. You know, there's no physical. There's not. You, you're driving. Your arms. Your foot. <laughs> well, there <laughs> is a there that. is a physical demand. I mean, if you've ever driven on a 
on sure. a long stretch of road. It's tiring. It's very tiring. Yeah. And if you, especially if you want to do it right, which is what I was kind of getting back to, um, you could tell when we were driving, at least I can tell, the truckers that have been driving for a while and the ones that haven't. Mm-hmm. The ones that get in the left lane to pass somebody at 73 miles an hour, <sighs> that's not an experienced trucker, you know? Well, either that or they just don't care. I don't know. Do you uh, think? No, I think that they do care. I think that... I think that there's this, at least I feel this way because I've spent a lot of time on the interstate. Like we would go on road trips, like what you're talking about. Um, there's this, um, like this code. Sure. Interstate code. Sure. You know? Of course. That I think truckers very, the ones that have been in the business, they respect it and they live by it and they. Well, because you know that that's the best way for the road to work. If we all would follow those rules. It yeah, would... but these are not necessarily written rules. You know, for example, if someone's going 71 in the right lane and you want to go 74, you're going to pass them at a clip of two miles an hour. Right. It's going to take you a while to pass somebody going two miles an hour faster than they are. Yes. In my opinion, if you want to pass someone that's going that speed, you need to be willing to increase your speed yes. to 80 to get around them. And yes. then you can slow back down if you want. Right. But. Again, that's, I think those, unwritten those are unwritten rules. Of course, because 80 is breaking the speed limit. Sure. Well, so is 71, technically. Right. And true. so is 73 or 74. So, yeah. I mean, if you're going to break it, you. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I think that there's like, get around them, you know? Yes. No matter what, it, if you're going to pass someone, do it and get back over. Right. So the rest of us, because the speed in the left lane is infinity. Right. That is the speed. Even if that idiot coming behind you is going 150 miles an hour, it's not your business. Right. Yeah, but that people make it their business. They do. They it's make like, it their business. I'm going. I'm going 78. And I'm not going to move. This guy, he wants to go 85. What's wrong with him? None Nothing. of your business. Nothing's wrong with him. Get over. He's breaking the law just like you are. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get out of his way. Ugh. Because if, if you was... don't, he's going to do. He'll get in the right lane, and now he's passing you on the right, which is very dangerous. And, and that's what's a whole been host happening. Of other problems. Yes, we could talk about traffic and all that <laughs> on and on. But the bottom line is, you guys, please, please be careful when it comes to nature. We all, I mean, it's good for the soul to be in nature. It's good for the vitamin D. Like, we need that sun. Of course, like, being in nature is where we should all be. But we are very far removed um, as a human race from being able to innately listen to our bodies when it comes mm-hmm. to nature and you need to understand that too yeah that we used to like know our body the hair stood up on the back of our necks when there was yeah. an animal nearby that used to be part of who we are and it's not anymore because we are soft basically <laughs> yeah well we've desensitized ourselves to sure those things so but you at the bare minimum have to understand that that stuff all still exists. Nature does not care. We have right. changed. It has not. A wild animal is still a wild animal. Yes. It and might look cute and cuddly or whatever, but that deer will trample you. Yes. The If you fall off the trail, like if you didn't bring anything to, you know, a flare, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you would bring. But like just know enough to know that nature is is can be a very harsh, dangerous place. And if you're going somewhere you've never been before or experiencing something you've never experienced, you need to do a little bit of basic research or ask locals. Ask Mm -hmm. locals. When you go to the beach, you are surrounded by locals. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of something that's happened too. Um, I think through COVID, we're just becoming more and more distant. We're not talking. People are like, when you go to the South, everybody like says hey to you and they talk to you. Yeah. Like, that's not a bad thing. I think that's why the People in the South were, generally speaking, uh, not following COVID protocols and all that because it's it's so against our like our culture, our culture, like who yeah, yeah who we are as a people that like no, I want to shake that person's hand, I want to say hey to them, I want to. It feels so weird. And I know a lot of places like New York, and it's like you walk down the road and no one like you walk down the street and no one makes eye contact with you. Right. No one says hello to you. That's just not how we do it here. And I know yeah. we're all. So it's very easy, probably, for that type of a culture to yes, yeah, stay hold in your apartment. Up. Don't talk to people. Don't shake hands. Mm-hmm. Don't don't know who your neighbors are. All right. that stuff. That is not how we do it here. And I know we're in the United States, and people think we're American, and we are. But within America, we have so many different little microcultures happening, and I think people take that as um, 
you know, being selfish in some cases. It's like understanding any other culture. Mm -hmm. We don't all do it the same. And um, anyway, so what I was getting at with the beach is that you are surrounded by local people and they are they all are a wealth of knowledge because they've lived here for a very long time. Yeah. And if you just ask around, even in people where you're staying at your condo, because locals own condos. Yeah. Locals stay at the, at the you know, um, hunting lodge or at the, in the mountains or mm-hmm. in uh, or beach cabins, or wherever you are, there right. are locals around you. Yeah. Like you're not, you're not all vacationers unless you're just at like a, a sandals resort down in, you know, wherever. That's yeah. a whole different yeah. ball game. But if you're, in a town somewhere, you are surrounded by people who, if you just ask questions, even at the restaurant, at the Starbucks, like those mm-hmm. are local people. Ask them questions. They can tell you where the best places to eat are. They can tell you what you should be worried about when you go on a hike. These are important things with yeah. communication that help people out and people are willing to help you if you just ask questions. So it's another reason to just be more social and it could save your life. I mean, truly, it could save your life. Yeah. Because I don't even know what you would... I'm sure there's some sort of signs they put out at mountains, too. Like, there's a high high bee population right now. If you're allergic to ends, I don't right. know. Yeah. You guys? Or wildlife spotted or... Yeah. I mean, I know that, you know, we have a few places around here um, that are sort of wildlife places that, like, there's one right Alligator across the bay. Alley. Yeah. It's like, don't go in this area from dusk to dawn, basically. Right. Don't feed the alligators. Right. Because those bad boys will eat you next. So pay attention to the signs. There's signs. <laughs> that, I mean, the red flags, I know that you have to, there's a little bit of decoding there, but mm-hmm. there are, there's signs. Pay attention to the signs and trust that the people that stuck the sign there weren't just doing that for their health. And I think that that also comes down to being observant. Get your face out of your phone. Yeah. Being distracted. You're not looking around to see, like, what those signs are because you're actually literally not seeing them. Right let alone not having conversations about... Anyway, that's all we have to say about that. Y'all be careful out there. <laughs> we want y'all to be safe so you can listen to next week's podcast. <laughs> yeah. And that only. But it's really, it's really really sad to, you know, open up your Facebook and there be another another child, another adult. It's not just children that are drowning in the mm-hmm. Gulf. It's adults. It's, yeah. it's There's been, you know... Lifers, people who've lived here their whole lives who've drowned in the Gulf too. Like some people just don't listen. Right. So anyway, y'all be safe out there. Until next time. Bye y'all. Bye y'all.